Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. Diana Henderson, and my husband and I get to be your campus pastors here at South End, the best Freedom House campus there is, right? If y'all are new here, we are one house with many rooms. So in addition to South End, we've got our Lake Norman campus. We've got our central campus up in university area. If you know people that are still remote right now, we've got an online campus. And we just launched in December our Charlotte Mecklenburg Detention Center campus. We are literally reaching this entire city, and I'm believing for the globe next. Amen. Well, we do something a little bit differently here at Freedom House. We have what's called a teaching team. It's a group of communicators that our senior pastors have assembled, and we rotate around each of our campuses every weekend so that you get a live word of God. I don't know about you, but that's how I like to receive my word from Jesus. So we all just give it up for our senior pastors. We got Pastor Penny in the house today. So grateful for all that you guys have done for us and for this church. They fight like nobody's business on the front lines for all of us. It's sacrificial. It hurts sometimes, but I'm grateful that they have not stopped. Amen? All right, y'all. I got a lot of content, so we're going to dive in. Y'all ready? You got your notes, your Bible, your pens, your app, your Freedom House app. You can take notes there, yeah? All right. We are in a series called Redo. Turn to your neighbor and say, Redo. And it is all about using our past to improve our future. Now, when I thought about this series, the first thing that came to mind was the movie from 1993, like kicking it way back, Groundhog Day. Anybody seen that movie? If you haven't, I would encourage you to check it out, but I'll I'll give you just a quick synopsis so you know what, what we're talking about here. The main character is Bill Murray, and he's a cynical weatherman, and he goes to this local city to capture their, like, traditions on Groundhog's Day. Now, he wakes up, and he is in a perpetual state of deja vu, like the same day over and over and over again. Now, in the movie, he gets really frustrated with the fact that he's got to do each day over again until he realizes this is actually kind of good. I get to do this day over. Can you imagine having a redo? An opportunity to do a day or even a moment over? I just want you to think about that for a second. Maybe there's a time where you said something that you wish you could take back. Or maybe you didn't say something that you wish you could have gone back and said. That's what a redo is all about. You know, for me, my redo redo takes me back to high school. My parents had gifted me this rockin' early 1990s Geo Metro. It It was hatchback. Color was grape purple. My friend said that thing looked like an Easter egg on its side with wheels. That was my car. 
no power steering. And my friends and I, on this particular day, conspired to skip school and go shopping. Now, I know you're probably going, oh, my campus pastor was not a goody two-shoes. Nope. Those were my BC days before Christ. Now, we skip school. I drive us to the nearest big city, and we're about to pull into the shopping center. And I am not paying attention, and I slam into the back of a brand-new Mercedes. That's a bad day. I get out of my car, I'm like trying to figure, because I'd never been in an accident before, I'm like, I don't know what I give you, like my driver's license, you want that? Give them my insurance information. And they're like, oh, by the way, I'm an attorney. I'm like, even better. Like, (laughs) this day is not turning out so good. So I made the brilliant decision to not call my parents. I'm like, you know, let's make a a bad day good. I'm just gonna shop, enjoy the rest of of the day with my friends. I'll tell my parents about my blunder in person later. Well, little did I know that the insurance company called my house, left a voicemail on our home answering machine, letting them know that I'd been in an accident and that it was in another city. I was in a lot of trouble. And if I could go back and redo that day, I just might. But here's the thing. Unfortunately, I can't offer you a redo today. I can't give you a Groundhog's Day. But you know what God does? I believe that he gives us a redo, an opportunity to redeem these moments in what happens moving forward. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. He works in all things, our missteps, our mistakes, our faux pas, our struggles, all things. In fact, God even works in our betrayals, the backstabbings, the times where we've been hurt. God works in all things. I love how Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says it. You intended to harm me, but God, y'all say, but God, intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Speaking of buts, I believe that God uses buts in the Bible for really radical moments. I think the buts in the Bible represents God's compassion and his graciousness to intervene and show up on the scene. So today we're going to talk about some big buts from the Bible. Now, don't be gasping that I just said the word but in church, because as my seven-year-old always says to me, Mom, I'm talking about the word B-U-T, not the one with the other T, the bad word. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Now, quite frankly, our God has a pretty radical sense of humor. In fact, for Christmas, one of our South End families gifted us a smoked pork butt, and this thing was like, it was cooked, first of all, which that's my love language. I don't have to do it. It was fully dressed, and when it showed up, I opened it, and with Matt as my witness, I said out loud, that's a good-looking butt. (laughs) And the Holy Spirit spoke to me right in that moment and said, that's what you're going to preach on next. Now, I did have to seek clarity because I was like, you want me to preach about pork? (laughs) Anyway, so today, we're going to talk about big butts, and I want some participation. Y'all with me? So every time I read the word but in the scripture, I want you guys to respond in unison with, that's a big but. 
Can y'all do that? All right, we're going to practice. Matthew 19, 26 says this. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but there you go. Give yourselves a pat on the back. That's good. With God, all things are possible. Okay, so we're going to dive in. But the thing I want to share with you, when we get a redo, oftentimes we have excuses Right? God is literally handing us an opportunity to redo, and we are all full of the reasons why it can't happen. Well, I want us to leave with some big buts today. I want us to focus on the big buts from the Bible. Y'all ready? Number one, the excuse that we have in our redo is the odds are against me. And the big but from the Bible says, but God works in our favor. God works in our favor. So there's a story in the Bible in the Old Testament where Moses has this encounter with God through a burning bush. Literally, the bush is on fire. It's not being consumed by the fire. And God speaks to him. And he says, I have heard the cries of my Israelite people. And I know that they are in slavery and under oppression from the Egyptians. And I want to save them. I want to bring them to the promised land, to the land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses, I'm going to use you to do it. And here's what I want you to do very specifically. I want you first to go to the leaders of the Israelites and tell them that I am sent you. And they're going to listen to you. And then God says to Moses, then I want you to go to Pharaoh And I want you to tell him that I sent you and told you to take the Israelites into the wilderness and sacrifice for three days. But Pharaoh's not going to like that. And this is what he says in Exodus chapter 3, verse 19. But, y'all are good. I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. You see, this is important because God is telling him, I'm calling you to do something, but you are going to face resistance. The odds are going to look stacked against you. And then God goes on to say, so I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. In other words, he was saying, listen, I'm going to come up with the 10 plagues, which eventually will force Pharaoh's hand to move. But initially, it's going to look grim. Do you ever feel like that? Like God is telling you to do something, and literally you're getting resistance from every angle, and it feels like the odds are stacked against you? Medical bills stacked up high? God says, but I know about that, so I will move in your finances radically. You know, when Matt and I found out we were having a baby, our very first, we were so excited. We went into the doctor for our anatomy scan to find out what gender we were having. And this day, like I I can remember it like it was yesterday. It was just so perfect. Our ultrasound tech was, had the best bedside manner ever. We go in, she's playing music. And this song comes on, Louis Armstrong. I see skies of blue, clouds of white, dark blessed moon, shining bright. Is that a good Louis impression? All right. B minus at best. That's all right. Anyway, it was a good day. She tells us we're having a boy. Matt's like, yeah, we're so excited. And then the countenance of our ultrasound tech just changed. Like she just, she got all 
nervous almost. And she's like, okay, okay, we're going to, we're going to wrap up. And, um, uh, I'm, I'm just going to need to meet you in the other room. She's kind of stuttering her words. We go into the other room and she's like, listen, I don't normally deliver news like this, but all the doctors have left for the day. And I just can't let you leave without telling you that your son has a heart condition. There's spots on his heart. And oftentimes children with this condition have Down syndrome. Now, the only way to tell is to do an amniocentesis, which at the time was very risky. And she said, I I just, I'm I'm sorry to break it to you. Matt and I were crushed. We had believed for this baby. We had prayed for this baby. And then Matt and I looked at each other and we said, nope, not going to accept it. We're not going to believe, despite what the odds say, despite what the medical statistics say, we serve a God who is radical and magnificent and shows up every single time. We got to redo that day. We walked out of that office and we said, nope, we're not going to believe it. In fact, we're not even going to tell anybody what they told us. We're going to believe what God says. Six months later, we gave birth to a perfectly happy and healthy baby boy. God is good. Can I just tell you, sometimes the odds will look stacked against you. Your redo may seem improbable, but we serve the God of the impossible. Number two excuse that we have in our redo, you don't know what I've done. And the big but from the Bible says, but you are forgiven. But you are forgiven. You know, in the New Testament, we find ourselves with Jesus. He's in the temple courts, and he's doing what he does best. He's teaching. He's got a slew of people around him. And we're going to pick up in the scripture in John chapter 8, verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? And the Bible says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down, and he started to write in the sand. Now maybe you're going like, what's big about that moment? Well, I think it's big because here's Jesus, totally counterculture, doesn't join in with the Pharisees and point fingers at the woman. He doesn't even get mad at the religious leaders for trying to trip him up. What does he do? He quietly responds this way. Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. In other words, we all live in glass houses. We all sin. We all fall short. We are all in need of a savior. And as each person who had showed up to condemn that woman that day turned around to walk away, the woman, the adulterer, she found herself alone in her sin with Jesus. I think we can all find ourselves in a moment like that, right? We've made a mistake. We've messed up. And we're standing right there with Jesus. Sometimes we're more focused on what other people think, but we're standing there with Jesus. How does he respond to us? Same way he did to that woman that day. He says, neither do I condemn you. In other words, you are forgiven. 
Now, what I want you to remember today is that our redos run in forgiveness. Our redos run in forgiveness. Number three, the excuse that we have in our redo. But I am hurt. And the big but from the Bible says, but you are healed. But you are healed. You know, we're going to hang out in the book of John for just a moment. We find ourselves now, we're at the pool of Bethesda. Now, just a little bit of background, this pool was said to have healing powers. So what would happen is people who had handicaps, people who were lame, people who were absent of sight would come and they would lay by this pool for an opportunity to dip and get healed. Now, Jesus shows up on the scene and he strikes up a conversation with a man that the Bible calls an invalid. He was severely disabled for 38 years lying there, waiting for his chance. And Jesus asks him this very profound question. He says, do you want to get well? Now, I don't know about you, but when Jesus asks a rhetorical question, like, I got to, like, chuckle. Because it, it reminds me of, like, have you ever gotten a call from a telemarketer? And I'm not talking about, like, the bad ones, but, like, a really good one. That they call and you're like, hello? And they're like, Diana, hey! And you're like, Hey, hey, how's it going? They're like, how are you? I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this? And they're like, hey, this is Bob from XYZ Company. I have one question for you, Diana. Do you want to make more money? And I'm like, yeah, I do want to make more money. I don't know about you, but it makes me think about that when Jesus is like, do you want to get well? You know what the invalid man says to him? He doesn't answer the question. He responds with, I am hurt. I've been laying here trying to get to the pool, but people get getting in my way. Isn't that like us? Jesus is saying, do you want to get well? And we're like, I am hurt. My boyfriend left me. My best friend walked out on me. My dog ran away. My work chose somebody else over me. Now, I'm not trying to belittle our pain because I get it. I have been there. I know it hurts. But Jesus is asking a straight-on question. Here's how he responds to the invalid man. John chapter 5, verse 8. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. At once. Everybody say at once. At once. The man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he walked. Amazing, right? I know you're like, where's the butt? All right, I'll get to it. Hold on. Verse 9, the day on which this took place was the Sabbath, which meant like the consecrated day, the day that was set apart as holy, the day for no work. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat on the Sabbath, but y'all are good. He replied, The man who made me well said, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, he's like, I don't care what day of the week it is. Jesus told me I'm healed, so I'm going to walk in that. That does deserve a resounding clap. In fact, every time I'm reading it, I'm like, yes, you go, you get them. Listen, guys, Jesus gave this man a redo that day. And the religious leaders, a.k.a. the haters, the naysayers, were trying to rob him of that redo. Jesus will hand you a redo. Maybe he's handing it to you right now. Maybe it's freedom from an addiction. 
And Jesus is saying, I want to free you so that the next 38 years, the next 50 years, the next 15 years are a get-out-of-jail-free card. How are we going to respond to that? We can't let the haters rob us of our redo because you are healed. Number four, excuse that we have in our redo, you don't know the struggles I've walked through. And the big but from the Bible says, but your pain will be gain. Your pain will be gain. You know, we started off with Romans 8.28, that God will use all things. Everybody say all things. And I love that sometimes this is referred to as God will never waste a hurt. He'll use it for your gain and oftentimes the gain of everybody around you. In the book of Acts, Paul and Silas had been arrested and they were thrown into prison. And the Bible says in the innermost part of prison, Pastor Penny just preached on this a couple weeks ago. And they're sitting there shackled. Clearly, like, that does not look good, right? That's a rough day. And they made a decision in that moment. They said, we're going to praise and we're going to sing songs to God. Now, the Bible says that that moved God's heart. And so he sent an earthquake from heaven that literally shook that prison. The chains came off and the doors came swinging wide open for every single one of those prisoners. We pick up in Acts chapter 16, verse 27. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. In other words, he was in big trouble. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. We are all here. We're all accounted for. The jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them. He washed their wounds, and immediately he and his household were baptized. What a perspective. Paul and Silas chose to focus on God and see that God was going to use their pain for gain. You know, in World War II, fighter planes would come back from battle, and they'd be covered in bullet holes. Now, the military strategists would go, okay, we need to reinforce these planes in the very places where the bullet holes are kind of makes sense, right? You can see a picture here. The dark red represents the bullet holes. Well, then a mathematician, leave it to the smart guy, he's like, wait a second. Perhaps there's a different way to look at this. Perhaps the reason that there aren't bullet holes in these other places is that the planes who were shot there didn't return from battle. Interesting, right? So they started to reinforce the plane's armor in the places where there weren't bullet holes in order to increase their chance of returning. Amazing. A shift in perspective completely changes the outcome. What I want you to hear today is that perspective propels your redo.
perspective propels your redo. Number five, excuse in our redo. I'm in the midst of a storm. And the big but from the Bible says, but Jesus said, but Jesus said. You know, we often figuratively refer to storms of life when we're walking through like literal struggles, financial crisis, a medical trauma, maybe it's a a drama in a relationship. Maybe you're walking through a storm right now. Sometimes we walk through literal storms. That's the worst, right? Especially when you get caught without an umbrella. Well, that's what the disciples were facing. In the New Testament, they had just spent the day with Jesus witnessing one of the most incredible miracles of the Bible when Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. Can you imagine being there that day? So they had just witnessed this. Then they hop in a boat, and they're headed across the water to Capernaum. And John chapter 16, verse 17 says, By now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet joined them. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water. That's important. And they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. You know, we all face storms. We all face storms. And isn't it like us? Look at 2020. The winds and the waves are raging around us. Jesus is standing right there. In fact, oftentimes he's walking on water right before our eyes, yet we are still frightened by our circumstances. Why is that? Can I just tell you today, Jesus knows the name of your storm Jesus speaks to the winds and the waves that are raging around you, and he says, be still, I said. The winds and the waves, the Bible says they know his name. Years ago, our son Miles, I had just picked him up from daycare, and I was late, like mom fail moment. And I've got him in the car, and he starts to have a seizure. Now, I don't know if you've ever witnessed a seizure But it is traumatic. It is so scary. I didn't know what to do. I'm not medically trained. Grab my phone. I dial 911 because it's an empty parking lot. There's nobody around. 911 goes to voicemail over and over and over again. And I'm like, am am I dialing the wrong number? Did I dial 411? Like, what in the world? So I start screaming. Surely somebody will hear me. Help, help. And then it hits me. I haven't called on Jesus, my Lord and Savior, who is always standing right next to me and walking on water. I laid my hands on my son, and I just cried out like nobody's business. Jesus, save my son. Do what you can do. I need you. I need a miracle right now. It was in that moment that help showed up. Someone arrived on the scene And medical help arrived as well. I was in the middle of a storm that day. Sometimes our redo looks like a storm. Sometimes the very thing that God has handed us to change the very trajectory of our life 
looks like a storm. I called out to Jesus that day. I spoke to Jesus, and Jesus spoke to my storm. I just want to encourage you. If you're in the midst of one right now, he said, and he will move in a mighty way. Amen? Amen. You know, so far, we've learned a couple of things, or at least I hope so. Number one, we've learned that redos are improbable, but we serve a God of impossible, right? Number two, our redos run in forgiveness. We can't forget that we're forgiven. Number three, haters are going to try and rob our redo, but we got to ward them off. Number four, perspective propels our redo. Number five, our redo may look like a storm. Number six, last one for you. Excuse that we have in our storm is, I could lose my friends. And the big but from the Bible is, but we have choice. But we have choice. You know, this one may just step on a few toes, but I'm okay with that. In fact, I wouldn't be doing my job as a minister of the word of God if I was fearful to make some people a little uncomfortable. I'm going to challenge us a, bit, a little bit here. Y'all ready? Okay, in the book of John, there's a scripture where it talks about the belief and the unbelief among the Jews. Now, if you, if you substitute the word Jews for God's people, this applies to all of us and even right now. Now, what was happening for context in this scripture is that there were people who had accepted Jesus and they were openly acknowledging their faith. And then there were people who had accepted Jesus. And this is what the Bible says about them. John 12, verse 42. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But... Because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For fear they would be canceled on Instagram. For fear they would be silenced on Twitter. For fear their business would be boycotted. For fear they would stop getting social invites. They were afraid of what the people said. That scripture says, for they loved human praise more than the praise of God. You know, when I read this scripture and I was studying for this message, God punched me in the gut spiritually. And he said, Diana, this is what my people are struggling with today. They love me. They are even spending time with me. But they are not openly acknowledging the very change that I have made happen in their lives. Church, have we become silent? Have we refrained from speaking up, from sharing the very story that Jesus gave us, the life change? Y'all know that moment. Maybe for you it was a series of moments where he came and he wrecked what you knew to be true and said, nope, I got something better for you, a redo. Are we afraid that the change in us will cause someone to challenge the past of who we once were. I know I struggled with that big time. And you know, I just want to acknowledge something. My older brother and my sister-in-law and my nephews are here today. 
Yes, give them a round of applause. They're in from out of town. And this couple prayed for me for years. They prayed that Jesus would wreck my world, that Jesus would come in and interrupt the very plans that I had and take me to where he had. They fervently prayed. They never gave up. I'm so grateful to you guys. Thank you. Thank you. I love what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Now we look inside, and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah, with Jesus, gets a fresh start, is created new. That, my friends, is a redo right there. It says it in the Word. But let me tell you, this redo comes with a responsibility. That scripture goes on to say that God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. We have a responsibility to speak his name. We have a responsibility to tell the very story that he's given us. Can you imagine the lives that are on the other side of that? And what I want you to know today is sometimes the hardest part of our redo is telling somebody our story. But it's got to be told. Will you all stand to your feet? You know, the whole reason that we get a redo is Jesus. He went to the cross. He sacrificed, gave up of his life so that we could have eternity with him. I love in the book of John in chapter 13, you get this picture. Jesus is preparing to go to the cross. He knows what's going to happen. And he's eating dinner with his disciples They finish the meal, and he scoots away from the table. He grabs a towel, tucks it into his belt, and he bends down. And he's washing the feet of his disciples. One by one, he's washing them. Now he gets to Peter, and Peter's like, you're not going to wash my funky feet. And Jesus says, but Peter, I must. Because if you don't let me wash you, you have no part with me. In other words, if you don't accept this redo that I'm handing you, there is not an eternity guaranteed for you. I can promise you that. I love how Peter responds. He's like, then wash my hands, wash my head, wash my backside, wash it all. I want all of you. Isn't that how we should respond? I want that redo, Jesus. Give me that second chance. I receive it like nobody's business today. Thank you for the chance to do it again. Thank you for the chance to do it differently moving forward. Will you guys close your eyes? Bow your heads. If you're in here today, and maybe you need a redo. Maybe you need somebody to just hit that restart button. Guess what? You get that chance today. And the way you receive it is simply lifting your hand, because I want to pray for you. If you're in here, you're looking for a redo, just lift your hand. Maybe it's freedom from addiction. Maybe it's 
the opportunity to start speaking more boldly about your faith. Maybe it's to surrender the unforgiveness that you've been carrying around for years. Just lift your hand right where you are. No one's looking around. I see your hands, hands up all over the room. And let me tell you, mine's lifted too. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're in here today. And you've not yet received the gift of redo from Jesus for the first time with him as your Lord and Savior. If you're in here, I got good news for you. It is not too late. But he wants to see you come home today. If that's you, will you just slip up your hand so I can pray for you? Just right where you are. No one's looking around. I see your hand. There's more. I see your hand. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. And church, if you'll just repeat after me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you're the God of redos. That you never give up on us. That you show up every time we call. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died. He rose again and granted me forgiveness. Today I believe and I accept him as Lord and Savior of my life. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message. Thank you.